moving. Do we have to? All my friends go to this school. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to learn more about it because you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Sipple Shepard. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. I hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every two weeks. This is going to take several years, as you can imagine. So please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's let's get get started. started. Hello, Moonlighting fans. Today, a very special guest, Scott Ryan, author of Moonlighting, an oral history that came out earlier this year. Welcome, Scott. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me on the show. It's It was fine to uh, be here this late at night. I'm about ready to go to bed here. <laughs> right. Yes. Sorry to keep you up so late. <laughs> Yeah, we're in actually three very different time zones. Scott's in New York. I'm in Shanghai and Grace is in Melbourne. So yeah, we've got a um, a span of, was it 16 hours or something like that? Yeah, this is perfect. But doesn't that just show the beauty of moonlighting that it, you know, it grabs people all around the world? Yeah, that's so true. And as the podcast has been airing the last few weeks, we've really seen the numbers. I mean, in how many countries, Grace? I mean, countries that you wouldn't even think Moonlighting would have stretched that far in the 80s. and Yeah, when I look at the um, all the stats, the countries that we're reaching is just phenomenal. But obviously there's Moonlighting fans all over the world and that show reached a lot of people. There's Hungary, Bulgaria, Russia, Spain, France, South Africa. There's parts in South Africa, Chile. The majority of them are in the States, but there are in other countries as well. So, yeah, we're really excited about that. I love it. I know. Yes. Really amazing. So let's uh, start talking about the book um, that you wrote, Scott, which is so great finally to have some behind the scenes information, some more background information about moonlighting all these years later, because as you have said, after 30 years, no one had really written an in-depth book about the show, which is pretty amazing. And even, you know, we were saying in you know, the last, what, 10 years or so that podcasts have been out, there hasn't been a, even a podcast dedicated to the show. I was also just quickly telling Grace that a few years ago, I was listening to an episode of one of your podcasts and you were talking about Moonlighting. I think you were interviewing somebody who was maybe watching Moonlighting on the schedule that it was aired or something like that. And I was really enjoying the conversation. And I thought, you know what? I bet someone's done a podcast about Moonlighting and I should listen to that because, you know, I love Moonlighting and all of that. So gosh, 
I never even thought to look for a podcast. And I went and did a search and nope, nothing. You know, people had done episodes about it, but no one had done a full podcast. And that's when I got the idea. You know, I would love to do a podcast. And I was trying to find a host and eventually Grace and I found each other this year, but it took a while. But um, that's right. But anyway. Yeah, because I was I've been looking for a host for about 12 months. I even put it on the few of my Facebook groups asking, did anybody watch Moonlighting? Didn't get a big response. And then I joined the Moonlighting group um, and tried to work something out there. Nothing happened. Then I joined the Moonlighting group that Shauna's in. And one of the other ladies said, oh, you've got to you contact Shauna. Contact Shauna. She's been looking for a host for that long. So I rang Shauna yeah. and, yeah, just that's how the universe works. Just amazing how it worked out. It was great. So, and you know what? We're a great pair. I think we go together really well with um, watching each episode. She sees things that I don't and I see things that she doesn't. So have you listened to our podcast, Scott? Yes, I listened to, we just had to do a big drive across the country. So I kind of save up. I don't listen to podcasts unless I'm on a long drive, but then I save them up. And I thought it was really fun. And it's a little strange for me because I have been moonlighting absorbed for the last year. It seems like to me, maybe it's even been a little bit longer. So if everyone will forgive me, I'm slightly sick of moonlighting. Just just, just a little bit. I love it. You've had an overload. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's going to be a while before I watch Moonlighting again, (laughs) because it's just been a lot of Moonlighting for the last year, year and a half or so. Yeah, I'm sure you've been inundated day and night with that. How long have you been wanting to write this book? And did you think it would ever get written? Because, you know, did you think that you'd get people to open up and talk about this show because they'd seem so reluctant in the past? Tell us a little bit about that. I think I've been wanting to write this book forever. I have always been curious about what I call the moonlighting curse that I don't believe exists. It has just annoyed me as a moonlighting fan that when you're reading about every TV show ever, they say, well, you can't get them together because that's what destroyed moonlighting. And I would always think that's not what destroyed moonlighting. That's not true. And it just, it annoyed me. And I always wanted to get to the bottom of that. In 2015, I interviewed Glenn Gordon Karen for the Red Room podcast. It was a fluke that I got him because he's not that active on social media, but it was, I think, Moonlighting's uh, 20th anniversary. I don't know if I have those dates right, but who really cares? It might have been 30th. Mm. And I, I just happened to tweet to him, I'd like to do a podcast for the 30th or 20th. And he responded right away and said, sure. And I was like, what? And so I did that interview with him. And at that point, I had not written any books. All I was was a a podcast host. And as the two of you know, that gets you nothing. You get nothing from being podcast hosts. That just means you're alive in 2020. (laughs) And so I told him, I want to do a book about moonlighting and you know would you help me get other people or you know sign on to it and he pretty much blew me off rightly so because who am I I'm some idiot on the internet he's just gonna go his way and then it was probably like four years later I had a book about 30 something out and a book about David Letterman out 
And I was trying to decide what I was going to do next. And I thought, well, now I have something. So I'm like, I'm just going to send my Letterman book to Glenn and just say, look, this is what I do. I want to do this for Moonlighting. And I did. And he immediately said, yes. That's great. That's amazing. You showed him that you could do it. He was on board. And I would never do a show without the executive producer creator's blessing. And one part, because you would never get the interviews. You know, once Glenn said yes, I could then start reaching out to people. I think it's funny. I don't remember who I did first, but I feel like it was Jeff and Ron were my first after Glenn. It would have opened doors for you to... Yeah, because I could say Glenn has approved this, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a Glenn approved book. And then I don't think anyone told me no, honestly. I don't think one person said no. I mean, everyone said yes. Except for Bruce? Well, no, actually, Bruce said yes six times. He just canceled six times as well. (laughs) (laughs) There were six scheduled interviews with Bruce Willis. They just, they all six got canceled. Oh, it's a shame. He's a busy little yeah. bee. He would have added a lot because the other thing that I always go back to is the commentary on the DVDs because it gives us a lot of insight to the show. And Bruce is a huge part of that. He remembered so much about what was going on at the time, the episodes, giving little tidbits, you know, behind the scenes and all that stuff. So I would have loved for him to add to the book because he he remembers, you know, more than anybody really on that commentary. Yeah, I mean, I never got overly excited for Bruce or Sybil when I started. And I know this sounds crazy because obviously Bruce and Sybil are the stars of the show. But I didn't think I needed them to do the book because it really is the writers. And what I really needed was Jay Daniel. That to me was going to make all the difference. And he was really hard to get because he has no social media presence at all. and. I forget how I got Jay. Boy, I'm a horrible interview. I told you it's been like, it, we probably started a year and a half ago. Yeah. And I, I mean, someone must have given me Jay. It, it was definitely not through Glenn. That's why I would remember if it was through Glenn. Yeah. It was, I don't remember who, and it doesn't matter. I should have just lied. I'm going to lie. It was Glenn. <laughs> and yeah, Glenn, Glenn had Thank Jay you. in his pocket. And he put him in the mail and mailed them to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's Jay Daniel in the mail. So once I got Jay, I really knew it was going to work. And I probably interviewed Jay 11 times. Oh, wow. Really accessible. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he had everything written down. And without Jay, this book would have never happened. I mean, he could answer every question for me. It might take him a while. And he might have to do some research. But... He's the star of the book. Yeah. yeah, what I found from the commentary with Jay Daniel, he was very good with details. He remembered, unless he had it written down, I don't know, but he was very good with details and dates and which sound stage they were on. And, you know, we'd started production on this day and that aired on this day and it took us 16 days to do this episode. And he was very good with the details. I love that. He kept a journal and yeah. he still has it. so he wrote down what they did every day oh my god that's amazing and you know now we're getting into deep dive moonlighting here um but for me (laughs) 
Go for it. What was most fascinating was how they did season four, which I know like, well, first of all, let me ask this question. How do you guys feel about season four overall? So I rewatched Moonlighting, say in the last maybe year or so, as I get older and can watch it with less emotion attached to it. (laughs) I think season four has so many great things um, as far as like um, performances by Bruce really carrying the show. You know, it gave Curtis an opportunity to shine. And I love him as a sidekick to Bruce. I think that's, you know, hilarious sidekick to David. You know, they did what they could with Sybil, but she was, you know, basically not available because she was ill because of the pregnancy and all of that stuff. And I think they were a bit tied to storylines because they filmed with her while they could, but then she wasn't available after that and, you know, whatever. But I think that there's a lot of great stuff there if I can remove my emotions as far as wanting Maddie and David in the same room together. Right. What about you, Grace? I think at the time when I was watching it, it took a lot because it was different. The whole feel changed. They weren't together. And I know they filmed a lot of things in advance before she left. I mean, there was a lot of great episodes in it, but it was just a different feel. I still enjoy watching it but it's, it was completely different to you know the first two seasons from in my opinion uh are really up there as far as rating for me but it just was just a different feel but and Agnes got a few goes Curtis Armstrong you know it's you're right he had his turn to shine and everything and you know love the trip to the moon so you know what what do you think I just find it to be one of the most fascinating seasons of television ever and it, that doesn't mean that it's good. You know, I wouldn't say it's the best season of television, but it's just interesting. Like mm-hmm. from a TV show, like you guys are saying, it totally changes. Season four yeah. is different than anything else. And yeah. I was just curious. I wanted to know, why did you make these choices? Why yeah. were you in this position? So like now it's in a book, like now, you know, they filmed Sybil early and they couldn't change and all those things. But for me to figure that stuff out, I had to really pull that out of people. They really didn't remember it because Mm -hmm. just like everyone listening to this podcast, nobody thinks about season four of Moonlighting. (laughs) You think of, of one and two, and then the big episodes, Shakespeare, Big Man, or Black and White, like that's what Moonlighting is remembered for. Mm -hmm. And the writers were pretty much the same way. So like discovering that they filmed a trip to the moon in season three and held it for season four, it took a long time for me to figure that out because people Mm -hmm. didn't remember that. I mean... It, it, it was a while before that came out. Then I could tell someone once uh, Jay found the paperwork for them getting the set for the honeymooners. And he was like, it's April 14th. Oh, and wow. then I'm like, well, wait a minute. That changes things. Because I always thought it was so weird that Bruce and Sybil couldn't be together. But but she was in the first episode. We're fighting because I asked you a question. Is that such a crime, Ralph? Me asking you a question? Get a load of Miss Smarty Pants here. You want to know where the relationship is going. I'll tell you where it's going. It's going to the moon. <laughs> so right. I'm like, well, how did that happen? So to me, that as a Moonlighting fan is my favorite part of the book. Like that's a mystery unraveled. Yeah. Creative production. 
Yeah, the Ansamo case. Basically, I yes. solved the Ansamo case. The Ansamo yes. case. Scott Ryan yeah. solved it. <laughs> yeah. Take that, Herbert Viola. Who's El Capo <laughs> de Tutti Capi now? I am the Capo del Tutti Capi around here. Well, listen to me, Mr. Tutti Fruity. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we will give you that, that crown. Um, yes, exactly. You know, I think the, the more we find out about what was going on behind the scenes as fans, it helps us make more sense of, I guess, what was going on on camera and, and why it was that way. They were under pressure at the time. Of, you know, we can like Monday morning quarterback it and be like, well, they could have done this and they could have done that, but it played out the way it did. Right. The monologue that Bruce has on the airplane with Maddie's dad. That's one of Bruce's great pieces of acting ever, I think. Well, and you know, you discover in the book that they basically had to force Bruce to do that. Bruce and um, now people have to remember that it's early in the morning for me. Yeah. So who <laughs> ran season four? Why can't I think of his name? I love him so the, much. Roger the, Director. The Roger um, Director. Roger Director wrote that and was running the show at that time. And Bruce did not want to do those scenes with Robert Weber. And they really had to convince him and it became a big deal. And Roger Director holds that with him to this day. Like, I mean, in some ways I felt like our interview was a therapy session and it was my job to forgive him for season four and all that he had done. And I was like, it's not, you know, it's not bad. You know, you did some really amazing work. It just, it wasn't like the rest of the show. Yeah. And as like Glenn says all the time, people, and as we all know, people tune in to see Maddie and David in a room together, bantering. I mean, that's what moonlighting is. So if you don't have that, then you're tap dancing to make it all come together. I guess they did the best they could with what they had to, to work with. Yeah, and and to me, mistakes are interesting. Glenn and Roger Director and all the writers, I mean, they're geniuses. You don't write those early episodes and not be a spectacular writer. But they made a mistake. I mean, really, they did. They made a bad decision. And then they had to live with it because of what plays out. And I don't know that they're is another show that was so locked in because of them already filmed Sybil's thing and they sort of plotted it out. And the other thing that I discovered is that Glenn had three days to come up with that. I mean, there's three days between when they filmed To Air as Human and A Trip to the Moon. I mean, that's it. Like, what would you do if you're in that moment? You got three days and you got to do a whole season. You just did a whole season and you're tired and you're, you've, been pushed to the brink with this four-part episode and now you've got to plot out a whole season I mean to me that's fascinating and that's my favorite part of the book and am I allowed to pick a favorite part of my own book I'm not sure yeah of course but now I don't even remember like I said it was a while ago it's been a yeah. year for me since I finished it so it's like it's not yeah. my book now I'm just a fan who like learned something about Moonlight right it's out there in the world and yeah, as fans, any insight and all of those insights are just like what's so interesting. And like the director's talking about putting together scenes and making things happen with Sybil and Bruce and, you know, different behaviors and, and things like that. All those insights are interesting and help us understand more what was going on at the time. Yeah, because everybody talks about the problems between Sybil and Bruce, but obviously the workload would, would have been absolutely horrendous. 
but the cast and crew and the writers, and as you say, Roger Director, Jay Daniel, the workload on them would have been horrendous as well. Of course it would have been. Yeah, I mean, they were under such pressure. Um, Cheryl Maine, she ran production. And to me, she was such an interesting interview because she talked about like the hours that everyone had to work. Like everyone can think about Bruce and Sybil being in all those scenes. And you can understand that because you see them on the screen. But you got to think the person who is answering the phone or typing the script or getting that stuff out, like they're also waiting. And they're all like the one assistant told me that her overtime check was always more than her salary because she just worked Saturdays and Sundays. And and then it all adds up because it's all union. And, you know, all those things are not things you think about when you're wondering who did it in the mystery, like if you're watching it at home. So I love those things from shows that I like. And to be the first one to discover it, that was what was very exciting for me. Um, Let's change it to your guys' podcast. How far have you gone? How many episodes have you watched? And what have you both learned? that you didn't know before by having this experience of doing a Moonlighting podcast. Oh, my God. We've uncovered so many things, haven't we, Shauna? (laughs) We actually uncover things as we're talking, even in the last episode. There's that photo. We've still been talking about it this morning. I sent her a voice message this morning about it. So the episode Next Stop Murder, where Agnes wins the, the mystery, the murder train, right? JB Harlan shows a photo to Maddie. And yeah, we yeah. It took a still of this photo, right? Now we couldn't work out when it was taken. So we're looking at Maddie's outfit and we're looking at <laughs> Agnes's outfit. And we're going, which episode's that from? Because it would have had to be a previous episode, obviously, right? Right. We, we let it go a couple of days. And then I'm messaging her and I'm like, oh, that's the dress from Gunfight when she's uh, walking down the alley and he rips her skirt. But in the photo, it looks like it's white, but obviously it's just the shot looks like it's white, but it's actually the light pink dress that she's wearing. Then we're looking at Agnes's outfit. Now, Agnes's outfit is not an outfit that she wears in gunfight. So we're like, hang on. So how was this photo taken with Maddie wearing this outfit and Agnes is wearing so then today I rang Sean and I said, oh, I've just checked it. Agnes's outfit is from the pilot. So in this photo, they're sitting there at a round table having cake and Shauna's thoughts are that it might have been Maddie's, Sybil's birthday because her birthday's in February. And, mm. yeah, so this is how, we, how much we analyse things, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so the dress that Maddie's wearing is the dress from Gunfight, but the dress that Agnes is wearing is from the pilot. So we couldn't work out why they're in these outfits at this time, at this celebration, and what celebration was it? We really want to know, was it just a photo that they made up for the episode or it was Elise working on the pilot and Sybil working on Gunfight, so they got got together that night. You do know what I mean? Because Gunfight and the pilot were so close together. Yeah, I can tell you they they would not have worked on the pilot and gunfight at the same time because mm. they finished the pilot in November and they didn't start shooting gunfight until January. Okay. 
So, so we that still can't one, work I there. can tell you that one's out. <laughs> yeah, um, that, yeah. But I, why couldn't um, they have just clipped Agnes from one and, and made the photo up? Why is that not one of your solutions? That it is. I don't think it is not. from them from two. You don't think it's, no, you know, it, it wouldn't have been photoshopped back then because there wouldn't have been that, but. Yeah. It's kind of a group photo. There's other people in the, in the photo that we don't recognize. Um, it looks like someone's birthday celebration or something, but whether it was staged or whether it was, uh, you know, something was taken at another event and they used it, we don't know. But so we're almost through um, season one, which we're going to tape next weekend. And then, um, so we'll be through, you know, the first season, which was a short season. But yeah, what I think we're learning is just how much detail there is to look at in these episodes, the layers, the layers to moonlighting. And even, you know, 30 plus years later, how much there is to dissect in each episode. You know, I mean, the dialogue was so layered and there's so many references. There's so much, you know, just vocabulary in general. There's so much um, to the the plots and things like that. I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm sure you can relate. We didn't always pay attention to the plots. So it's like, what did happen to, you know, <laughs> Mrs. Grayson and things like that? You know, it's like just even figuring out like with the SRT, you know, um, laser beam thing. I think I just understood that this year, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so the layers of moonlighting, yeah. you know? and we've found a lot of goofs in our last discussion with Next Stop Murder. We've discovered that there's a lot of scenes that have been cut, um, yeah, really pieced because together. of things that have happened in the show. There's one scene where they're in the cabin, and you can see uh, Skylar Cantrell walking in, but then it cuts off. Next scene, they're back to Maddie and David, and he's not there. But it, there's a blooper in the straight poop of that shot that's missing. So we worked uh-huh. that out while we were talking. <laughs> ah, I like it. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I like it. You know, the thing that I always think of for a next stop murder, that is like a moment of television that's like burned into my brain. And I think for me, that was like my moonlighting moment happens in that episode. I I mean, I honestly remember this line as a 15 year old, but when Maddie and Dave first get on the train and then they lay in the cart and it folds up and then, you know, they get out and Maddie opens the blinds and she says, we're moving. And David says, but mom, all my friends go to this school. Yeah. The best. I mean, I just remember I like that right there. That cha- I really think that changed my whole life. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but like to be that fast and that yeah. funny, like that was my dream. And that like, especially as a 15 year old wise ass boy in high school, like I want to be that funny. I want to be that quick. And to me, that really is, it's not that David isn't David before that episode, but he's really becoming David in that mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. And th- that's the thing about moonlighting. There's so many lines like that and they're so fast and they go by so quick. Yeah. The level of comedy, you know, because you'd have to watch it many times to catch that and other just really right. quick throw- throwaway lines that are so funny, you know, and that's the genius of Glenn and, and the other writers. And that's how yeah. I come up with the references in the show. Cause I've played it over and over and rewound and rewound and he'd say things. And I'd think, what does that mean? Like when he said the great Kreskin, like I had to look that up. 
So any strange reference, I'll mention it in the podcast because it flies right past. There's so many things that he says and she says, you know, when she mentions Willie Loman. Mm-hmm. Only, only knew about Willie Loman only a couple of months ago because it came up somewhere else. But I didn't know who Willie Loman was before that. <laughs> uh-huh. know, <so. laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I suppose most people today wouldn't know who Kreskin was, but hopefully uh, people are still reading Death of a Salesman or being forced oh. to in school, I guess. Yeah. I think that, yeah, the, the references really were cool and the speed of which they do it is it's just amazing. Yeah. And, and you can just see it with, with each episode now it getting faster and faster in this, uh, the, what was it? The beginning of um, Next Stop Murder, I think. Um, I think it was that episode. We just noticed that the lines really started racing, really started, you know, they started going back and forth. I think it's, uh, or maybe it was um, when he's talking about the um, light bulbs and tissues and all of that stuff. You know, this <laughs> is just so fast, you know? That's not a uh, next stop murder, but the, I think of the episode before that. So I talked to a lot of female moonlighting fans. I don't always get to talk to male moonlighting fans. What do you think for you? I feel like a lot of the female viewers, you know, is the relationship between Maddie and David that really like keeps them interested in moonlighting or kept them interested back then. But from a male perspective, you think it was like the writing or David Addison himself, or like what, what was your big attraction to moonlighting as a fan? Um, I mean, boy, it's, I haven't thought about that for a long time. I'm trying to think back. I think it really was the relationship between Dave and Maddie. I cared so much about them being together. Um, I mean, I got caught up in all of that back in the day when I watched it the first time. But I think in a lot of ways, it really was David Addison. And just, he really was a role model to me. And I think I say in my book, like, Obviously, David would not be a role model in 2021, but I said right in the beginning of my book, like, this isn't a book that we're supposed to be looking at through today's prism. This is a book about the 80s, from the 80s. You know, obviously, David Addison is a um, HR nightmare, but, you know... (laughs) You learn about David in Big Man on Mulberry Street in such a way that all of you, you understand why he is the way he is. I mean, that episode is one of my favorites, if you know, in the top two or three. But I think it, it was it was the writing and I wanted to be Glenn Gordon Karen. And I actually wrote and filmed two episodes of Moonlighting when I was in high school. So I played David Addison and my girlfriend at the time played Maddie Hayes and we did a chase scene and we had the music <laughs> and it's and um, so yeah. the first thing I ever wrote was an episode of Moonlighting. I mean, and it was great yeah. that I could tell Glenn he didn't want to hear it, but I could tell Glenn that, you know, I'm a writer because of you. Like, and, and it's just 100 yeah. percent true. Was your dialogue fast as well? Yeah, I mean, we tried. <laughs> I mean, the first one in 1988 and the second one in 90. So it was just made with VHS, like a VHS camera. There's no computer editing. So it's, I I mean, I could not watch it now. Like if someone said, I'll give you $1,000 if you sit down and watch both those episodes, I would say, keep the $1,000. And I need (laughs) that $1,000. I don't think I could stand to watch them. It would crush me. Just because I'm 
young and stupid and I don't think I could take it. But <laughs> I will say that my opening of my second episode, we made it after Moonlighting wasn't on the air anymore. Yeah. And our, my opening is really good. I'm proud of the opening because basically they find David in a TV character graveyard where all canceled mm-hmm. characters yeah. go. And I'm sitting in a graveyard and, and I'm talking about other canceled TV shows. And then they said, well, would you come back? And then we find Maddie on the beach and she's been on the beach the whole time while David's been yeah. in a, a graveyard. And then they're convinced to come back. And it was a very moonlighting beginning, but beyond that, they're pretty wretched. It's yeah, it's fun. It's so creative. You know, it gave you a jumping off point. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's it's certainly that show influenced me so much. Uh, you were saying um, that David would be an HR nightmare, but I think one of the things that we've um, talked a lot about that I think Grace notices more now and the podcast fan wrote in about Maddie and her behavior and how violent she was towards David, her like right. kicking, hitting, slapping, name calling, and you know, and always telling, you know, kind of convincing him he's dumb and stuff like that. But yeah, like could her behavior fly today on tv you know <laughs> not a chance in no i don't think so but <laughs> and when i was doing press for the book i mean people were always asking me would there be a moonlighting reboot and who would i want cast as dave and maddie and all that stuff and i always said look moonlighting is a product of the 80s it shouldn't come back it would be a bad idea i don't know how you could do it mostly because we can't take that kind of entertainment. I mean, that show is dangerous. It was dangerous back then, and it's it's still dangerous. And right now, we don't like dangerous things as consumers, at least in America. Um, I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but in America, we're afraid of anything that's dangerous. Um, and, and people would lose their mind. over any of it and I mean I know Glenn's working on getting it to stream which I wish he would because it certainly would help sell the book it would help people see moonlighting (laughs) what did I say there but I also wonder what people will do if it does stream if people will go crazy and say this is inappropriate hopefully people could see it through the lens of the 80s because yes I I liked what you said at, at the beginning of the book you know if you tried to um revise history while we cover it we can't learn from it which is such a good point right and and i was more afraid that people were going to get angry when the men of the show talked about sybil getting pregnant because it is a dangerous thing to discuss and i didn't want anyone to get in trouble for what they said in the book And across the board, everyone was happy that Sybil had twins and they were happy for her. But you can be happy for someone and also say, this is going to make my job really difficult. It doesn't mean it has nothing to do with sexism. It has nothing to do with any of that. Like, it's, it's just what happens yeah. It was a bad situation. I mean, they all, I mean, it's the same with Bruce Willis getting diehard. They were happy for Bruce, but also Jay said when he saw the movie, he said, shit, he's going to be a movie star. And he knew his job just got yeah. harder. That's yeah. human. Bruce didn't want to be there anymore, you know, and it didn't, it right. sounded like Bruce didn't want to be there for a long time, you know, and once he got a taste of movies, he really didn't want to be there anymore. And all of these things contributed to the moonlighting curse. 
And it was just right. a lot of timing, you know? I mean, yes, Sybil got pregnant. That's great. She has the twins and all that stuff, but could it have happened at a worse time? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an interesting thing because I think it happened at the perfect time. And, and I mean, yes, Moonlighting ended up dying because of it, but I think if it all didn't happen that way, I don't think David and Maddie would have gotten together. And if we didn't have those four episodes, Moonlighting wouldn't be what it is. And it might have paid the ultimate price because of it, but they're so good. I mean, that that role in season three is so good. So what are some of your guys' favorite episodes? <laughs> I have um, my top 10 here. What we do at the end of each episode of our podcast is we ask each other, is this in your top 10? And we either say yes or no. And if we say yes, oh. we're, we're not telling each other what number on the list it is. Okay. <laughs> so so you, you don't have to tell me your top 10 and okay. you don't have to tell me an order, but okay. give me like three episodes. They don't have to be the top three. I don't want to ruin your, your thing, yeah. but I'm just curious, like just pick a couple. Let's just remove the black and white episode and Shakespeare okay. and Big Man. Okay. So let's just well, take the, like those and throw them out. Okay. So one of mine is he's living with you, kid. Oh, I love that you picked that. Thanks for picking that. Yeah, you pick a, <laughs> the pastel. I just thought because it's one of my favorite movies and you know, I just thought they were absolutely gorgeous in it. Elise Beasley was just beautiful, played the part well, and he did Rick so well. Curtis Armstrong was amazing in that. The direction, the cinematography, the the black and white. I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. It just went together so well. And Victor Laszlo, um, McGillicuddy, oh, my God. He was perfect. Perfect as Victor yeah. Laszlo. I just thought it was a great episode overall. It was terrific. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into yours. Hey, I'm supposed to say that. Oh, sorry. Sorry, it's only the best line in the script. Yeah. I love that pick. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. I don't know if you can top that. Let's see. I can't. You... I can't top that. Um, but my <laughs> my absolute favorite episode is Maddie's turn to cry. Oh, um, yeah. And a reason being is I feel like it has so much um, as far as you know. Well, it's the, kind of the bookend with Sam and Dave because now Maddie is you know feeling a little bit jealous or like kind of looking for David, like he was looking for her in Sam and Dave. We've got funny scenes with Curtis. We've kind of got, you know, the Maddie and David tension, but it all ends up in um, a really fun chase. Oh, and the first real intentional kiss on, right. on the trunk. I hate you, David Edison. I know. I hate you too, Maddie Hayes. You know, it has that to me. I mean, they've kissed before, but it's the real intentional kiss where he leans in and, and they say things to each other. And I think that like the lighting, the dialogue, um, the chase, all of those things, just it all comes together. It's just so beautiful, you know, but also a fun ending chase and all of that stuff and, and a good case. So to well, me, I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned the lighting because the lighting in that trunk scene is yes. just so good in the whole series. Yeah. I mean, what Jerry Finnerman did oh, Jerry is did such a wonderful 
unbelievable. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, I just, and it was, that was another thing I learned doing the book is that of course the lighting was good because Alan Arkish said, well, Bruce and Sybil wouldn't come to the stage. So we had nothing but time to light the set. I mean, there was plenty of time to light. And that's why all those scenes, like, cause I asked him about the dinner that Sam, it might even be in Maddie's turn to cry. It might be the opening of that one. Um, when he's setting that dinner up for Maddie, I'm like, that is beautiful. And he was like, well, we had nothing else to shoot. I mean, so, so mm -hmm. they spent time on lighting and it's just incredible. Yeah. I like that pick too. I, that's a surprise pick. I feel yeah. like both your picks were surprises, which made me happy. Uh, um, yeah, that's that, those are good picks. Yeah. What's, uh, what's yours? Oh, well, my, my favorite episode and you know, it's like, above everything is womb with a view. So I love womb with a view. I think if you want to take moonlighting and shove it into one episode, that is it. Yeah. So when I first started the book, I was out on IMDb looking at things and I noticed that there's ratings for the episodes. And yeah. that is the absolute lowest fan rated so that's the least favorite episode of moonlighting and then i was like oh wow so my all-time favorite episode is the least favorite <laughs> the am least i favorite. the one to do the book on moonlighting <laughs> possibly i am not the person who should do this um but i just love that opening i think every show that comes back from a season like needs to have that another season, another opening dance mm -hmm. number. I That's love amazing. that. Ready. Bruce is the baby is great. I think it's a creative way to get out of a mistake. I just really, that's my favorite episode. So when you guys get to that episode, I know that'll be in 10 years, but I want to come, I want to, I'm, I'm self-inviting me back yeah, to be, be with you guys on Womb with a View because I love it. Absolutely. Okay. You're welcome. But with Absolutely. that episode, um, when I watch it, Bruce does such a good job that it's not cringeworthy. No, you know, like he's acting like a baby and you think, oh, my God, he's got a nappy on and, you know, <laughs> right. But when I watch it, it's it's actually lovely to watch the way he does it. I don't know what it is, but it's not cringeworthy. No, I mean, to me and I talked to Glenn about it and he never wanted to talk about it. I couldn't I couldn't get Glenn to really talk about that episode. I mean, he says he hasn't seen it since it was on. And I tried to convince him to watch it before we talked. And that didn't happen because I did interview him again once we did the book. Yeah. But I think it's like such a way of life. Like the things about the evil that men do where they have the they have that montage, they have the goodness of life. And I I feel like yeah. it's a way to live your life. Like if you wanted a um a barometer by which to set your life path. You could really find what life's about in that episode. But Glenn really doesn't remember writing it. <laughs> he didn't have much to say about that episode. Oh, um, so I heard in one of uh, the other interviews you did, you were talking about how um, you watched an episode with Sybil. I think it was Big Man. We Yeah, we watched the black and white episode and Big Man together. <laughs> That's like a fan's dream. So how was that experience for you? <laughs> it was kind of boring. I mean, 
No, what do you mean? It was maybe <laughs> the craziest thing I've ever done in my it's freaking got- life. Yeah, I would, it would be so surreal because that's like every fan's dream. Like, I want to watch this with Sybil or Bruce so they can tell me all about it, which is why the oh commentary. I would so love that. And I would ask them yeah. so many questions about what happened in this scene. What happened there? What happened there? I'd be asking. I wouldn't be watching. We'd be asking him so all these questions. <laughs> what was that? And what did you learn? Yeah. Um. Oh, my gosh. So... It, it was crazy. So first of all, I, I chased Sybil for, I think it was 16 months. Wow. It took me 16 months to get the interview with her. And I just wasn't giving up. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't really wow. care. I, I live in a house with all females. So I'm told no all the time. It means nothing yeah. for me <laughs> to be it. told now. <laughs> Yeah. It, 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 it's like send me in there. I could care less. Yes. <laughs> so I just kept asking. And then when it yeah. finally happened, um, Sybil was just so nice. It wasn't what I expected at all. I was kind of, I was honestly afraid like when I had to make that first call because I'd heard all these things about her and I just did not know how this was going to go. And she is so sweet and so kind and I mean, I loved her so much. It was, she was everything I wanted her to be. There's no way I could tell you a complaint about Sybil Shepherd. Like, I'm not saying that what people have to say about her in the 80s isn't true. I believe everything everyone told me. But the Sybil Shepherd of today is not, I didn't see any of that. So she was really into it. And, and, you know, we're doing the interview and she also hadn't seen Moonlighting since it was on. So she Mm. could remember some things and, and a lot, she just doesn't remember. So she said, well, I really feel like I should watch an episode. And I said, and it was during COVID, this was during the lockdown. And she said, I got nothing to do. I mean, I'm locked in my house. I got nothing. And so I just said, oh, do you have the DVDs? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, you know, we could put on one and hit play at the same time. And she was like, let's do it. it. And I was like, holy crap. So um, yeah. So I mean, I thought the black and white episode would have been a good one at first. Like, so we did that one first. Yeah. And then I think Sybil's best performance is in Big Man. I mean, she's incredible in that scene in the hotel room and throughout, but especially there. And she didn't even remember that scene. She couldn't tell me anything about it. She remembered Stanley Donan being there and not liking him, but she didn't even know why. So it was really fun to watch, but I got to be honest, I didn't get a lot out of her because she was laughing. She just watched yeah. it. She loved it. She didn't it remember. Yeah. And she kept saying like, this is so good. This is yeah. amazing. I can't believe yeah. how good this show was. And she's like, this was on TV. And she just really liked it. And then I remember during the scene in Big Man, it could seem like this is egotistical, but I'm, I'm, I want to preface it by saying it wasn't. She did say, this is the best thing I ever did. And she meant it. And she was moved emotionally by the memories coming back. And I'll never forget that experience. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, like if we, if I didn't ever do the book or no one ever bought the book yeah. or whatever happened, I freaking watched two episodes of Moonlightings with Civil Shepherd. Exactly. If nothing else happened, you just got that experience. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it was crazy. Sounds like so many cool things have happened, you know, along the journey. 
just talking to everybody, just um, those kind of experiences. And they were all super nice. Everyone, like Elise Beasley is, is a sweetheart. How did you guys feel she came across in the book? What I was surprised about is that how heartbroken she still is. Like she said that she's never been in a room with Sybil or Bruce since and she never would be. I mean, it's amazing, like 30 years later that it's still affecting her like that. I kind of felt bad for that, you know, that she has so much heartache still about that show. But I don't blame her at the same time because it was such a great opportunity that was a bit squandered because it probably could have gone on for many more seasons because like you said in the book too, how does a show that has like Super Bowl ratings get canceled like 26 episodes later or something like that? It, it's crazy when you put it like that. It you know? happens so quick. It happens yeah. so quick. Yeah. So I, yeah, I just kind of felt bad for her that she's so still a bit heartbroken and has some, I guess, resentments. I got that impression too. Yeah. Yeah, but it, what was your impression, Scott? Certainly, that is the truth. But I sort of, I, I also hope that I didn't paint her as not loving moonlighting and, no. and being proud of it and things like that. You know, it is that line yeah. that seems to really land with people, mm-hmm. and I've been asked about it. And then, unfortunately, there was a reviewer who like really singled out on that and it didn't make Elise very pleased. And that was before she had read the book and she was afraid that the book was like a hit job or like a negative thing. And I'm like, no, 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 that's just like one line out of many. And I, you know, I struggled with, do I put it in or not put in? Cause I didn't want the book to be negative at all. I would never spend a year and a half of my life on something to tear something down. And Elise means a lot to me just because she's freaking Miss DePesto. I mean, my gosh, like I want to take care of her. I could tell that she still carries this. All of them do, honestly. Like I said, a lot of times these interviews were therapy sessions because these people have never talked about it. So I sort of felt bad. I hope I took care of Elise, but I felt it was important for people to know that, like, to me, that does let you understand what it was really like. I don't know. I sometimes I wonder if I should have left that line in or not, but I don't know. I did. So I guess I got left with it. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I don't think it paints her in a bad light. She's human. It was one of the great opportunities of her life. And um, it didn't end that well. And everybody knows that. But for the time she was there, she did a great job. She was Mr. Pesto. Right. You know, if you're a true Moonlighting fan, you love Mr. Pesto and Herbert Viola. I mean, they're not Dave and Maddie, but you love them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, It's part of that Moonlighting family. And, um, and yeah, she's just such a, probably very very much like her character, a kind hearted person. And no, I don't think, uh, you know, her just saying something like that would change anyone's views of her or paint her in a bad light, you know, because it's just human, you know, people have feelings about all sorts of things that they've gone through and work in other situations, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I sort of feel bad about it, but I also thought, you know, I mean, she did say it and it is true. And to me, that's interesting that they've never gotten together. Yeah. So. Can I just quickly ask you about the structure of the book? Um, sure. What made you decide to structure the book, not by interviewee, all their little comments, you split them up. So can you explain your thought process behind that? Sure. Um, So my other two books, 30-something and Letterman, are done in the same format. It's the oral history format, where what I try to do is I just go in and I interview people, and you're going to hit the big parts, but just sort of see what comes out. And then when you do the next person, you sort of learn something, so you build off that, and you might ask them about that. So because when I do something like this, I want to interview everyone who ever worked on Moonlighting. Like for my Letterman book, I did interview the HR person (laughs) at the late Mm -hmm. show. And you learn interesting things. Like I'm so bad with names. I should have left this out. But whoever uh, Jay and Glenn's assistant was, I'm so sorry. I can't think of her name right now, but she's in the book and she was their assistant, she told some great stories that you wouldn't have gotten from Bruce or Sybil because they didn't know what what happened in the office on those days. So if I did it interview by interview, I mean, honestly, 90% of the people who would buy this book would have flipped to Sybil Shepard. They'd have read Sybil. They might have read Glenn and Jay. And they're going to say, I mean, look at me. How horrible am I that I cannot remember her lady's name? Oh, this is where you guys edit. Who? Melissa? Yes, Melissa. Thank you. Yes, Melissa. So they're not going to read Melissa's interview because they're like, I don't care who Daniel's assistant is. What'd she do? She wasn't in the show. But she has the good stuff. And Cheryl Maine has the good stuff. Yes. Yes. You know, they were there. So that's why I split it up because I'm kind of tricking you and I'm peppering Mm -hmm. Sybil in there. So you'll keep going. And, and then I'm, I know that in that beginning of the book, you just really want to hear from Glenn, Jay, Sybil and Bruce and Curtis and Elise. But by the end, hopefully you've sort of bonded with Roger director and, and you've followed his story and Cheryl and Melissa. And it's, it's a way to trick readers into realizing that the show is more than Bruce and Sybil. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, great way to look at it. Yeah. The other thing that happened to me 
pretty early on in writing. It wasn't so much during interviewing, but in writing, I released myself from the plot of Moonlighting. So if you you notice, it, it's not an episode guide. It doesn't really care what the episode is. Now, I do focus on the black and white episode, Big Man and Shakespeare, because let's be honest, those that's what Moonlighting's remembered for. And there was too much information to not do chapters on them. But beyond that, you're just getting the story of behind the scenes because the show doesn't stream. The DVDs are out of print. It's not on syndication. And I knew that a lot of people who are going to read the book, they may not have seen the show in 30 years. And so I wanted to release myself from like the deep dive conversations that three of us can have because we're freaking moonlighting nerds, but that most readers are not going to be able to. And one of the things that I've been pleased about is people have read the book who's never even seen Moonlighting and they've loved it because it really does become a story of a crazy time in television that would just never happen now. You just would not give a 29 year old all this money and no deadlines and say, go write a show and turn them in whenever you want. I mean, that in itself is nuts. So that was the other decision. And once I, cause at first, of course, it was going to be sort of like an episode guide, which is how my 30 something book is. And Mm -hmm. then once, when I freed myself from that, that's when the book really opened up it became a lot easier to do instead of hammering in like, Oh, I got to have something for the next murder you hear. And I don't. Yeah. I thought it was great because it looks to me like you've interviewed all these people and then created the chapters around what they've said. Right. You know, anything similar they've said about Mulberry, you've put it in there. I like the way it's actually set out and, and it's made me keep going reading it. I'm sorry. I'm only halfway through, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's okay. I'll well, you you got to keep up with what you're. And watching. by the way, thank you for signing it for me. Oh, of course. But you didn't oh, say God. Grace, like you know, you know what I'm saying. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> well, first of all, anyone who's listening, if you buy the book from ScottRyanProductions.com, I do sign them. But unless people tell me to sign it to them. There's a note on there where you can say sign it to Grace and then I would, but I'm afraid just because Grace bought it, how do I know it's for you? And I'm afraid if I sign it to Grace and you're like, shit, I was giving this to Bob and now it's his Grace here. So there is a note where people can say who to sign it to and then I will. And some people even tell me what to write, which, you know, hey, I'm a monkey. I will dance. But um But beyond that, I'm always afraid to, I don't know if I should sign it to who got it. You swing from a vine, Scott. Yeah. Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Only moonlighting fans will understand what I just said. Deep diving, deep diving. Um, And uh, and, uh, with the holidays coming up, you've been having some great sales. Half off right now. Yeah. If Um, you go to FayettevilleMafiaPress.com. It's 50% off. That's the company that published the book, which I co-run with David Bushman. And we have 50% off. To be honest, we got a lot of books. The ebook did yeah. much better than the print book, which is kind of makes me sad because I really wanted the print book to be beautiful. And I did it on good paper and I fought to do it on color. And it's really interesting my distributor was like why aren't you doing this print on demand in black and white and I was like because I want it to be beautiful and they were like what 
<laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is sad. We live in a sad time. I knew this was going to be the most important book I ever do. I mean, I have other ones coming out and I'm proud of them. But to me, yeah. this is very personal. This is my show. I mean, I wanted this to be beautiful. And I think the book did come out looking really well. Yeah, it does. Mafiapress.com? It's FayettevilleMafiaPress.com. Okay. I mean, that's Great. easy, right? Who has trouble with that name? <laughs> if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, uh, there's always links up there. And, and the book is 50% off through all November for Christmas sales. So it's only $14.99. That's a great price for a color book on premium paper. And it's pretty long too. So, but also yeah. you can get the Kindle. That's what people want. People want the Kindle. I mean, the Kindle has done great. Like it's been number three for months and months. I'm very humbled and honored by that. But we also need to sell these, these ones that we printed. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, if people um, out there even know other Moonlighting fans from back in the day. It's a good gift. And then listen to the podcast and rewatch the show. And, you know, you have a whole Moonlighting bundle there. You've got a book, podcast, and hopefully soon it'll be streaming somewhere, you know, so people can really get into Moonlighting again and relive it or see it for the first time. Because we'll share the links as well on all our platforms for the book oh, thank as you. well. And so since we are simulcasting this on the Red Room, tell people where they can get Moonlighting podcasts and where, how they can subscribe and all of that. Okay, so I've made it really easy for people to listen to Moonlighting, the podcast. I've created a universal link, and that link is playpodcast slash MTP. So it's P-L-A-Y-P-O-D-C-A dot S-T slash MTP, which stands for Moonlighting, the podcast. And the reason for that is that that particular link will take you to the correct place, regardless of what device you're using. So if you've got an iPhone, it'll take you to Apple Podcasts. If you've got an Android, it'll take you to Google Podcasts. You can also listen to our podcast on Spotify. With regards to our social media, we're on Instagram at Moonlighting the Podcast. There's also a Facebook group. It's called Fans of the Moonlighting Podcast. Um, we're also on Twitter and the handle is at moon underscore podcast 85. And also now we've actually got Moonlighting merchandise, which we're very excited about on Redbubble. And that's at Moonlighting the podcast as well. What and do you have? What do you, yes. what do you got? Yes. Yeah, so there's about 65 items. Um, 65? Yeah. So wow. there's mouse pads, there's aprons, there's phone cases. There's caps, T-shirts, hoodies. There's heaps of stuff, heaps of stuff. Do you have a Rubik's Cube? (laughs) We've actually uploaded, sorry, Shauna has organized the merchandise in the background. It was initially, it was just the Moonlighting Podcast logo, but since then she's added other images. So there's a few images to choose from now instead of just the logo. But we prefer you to advertise our podcast, of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But there's so yeah. many different items. So you can get a cup. Yeah. Red bubble. We've uploaded some images. One is, um, they're like kind of animated images from, one's from the dream sequence. Um, the other one is from I Am Curious Maddie. And, and then Red Bubble puts them on different uh, merchandise, you know, once you just give them the. Um, well, hey, I got an idea for you. Yeah. I say you get the trunk scene. 
get the, the with the blue let's do that one if you yeah. can upload other ones because that's like a real good moonlighting image that you don't see very often no you and don't we yeah had discussed that so hey i'm just yeah. just i'm here to help now i, I have to <laughs> say that you guys are incredible on social media I mean, you're posting all the time. You're posting interesting things. I see it all the time on Instagram and Twitter. Two questions. One, how do you do that? Like, what, what's your plan for that? And does it work? Do you see a direct correlation? And the reason I ask is that I hate yeah. social media with a fiery passion, but I have to do it. Like, if I wasn't out there slinging that moonlighting book, I mean, it would never sell like nobody but me is going to sell that moonlighting book. So you got to do it. So I'm just curious because you seem to be doing it well from what I see. How's how's it working? Oh, thank Mm. you. Yeah, thanks. Well, we try to keep active on it. We did try and do a couple of lives, but they weren't working. So I don't know. We haven't retried that. But I'm always posting a waveform so you can listen to a snippet of the show. So I put little snippets of the show with a waveform just so that entices people to go and come and listen to the podcast, that particular episode. Sean is always putting their images of Bruce and Sybil with bubbles as if they're saying, oh, have you listened? They've got a podcast about us, you know. But you've got to keep posting all the time with hashtags as well. That helps. Yeah, we kind of divided and conquered. I mostly do the Instagram and Grace mostly does the Facebook And then I'll repost things that she puts on Instagram and things like that. Have some Instagram accounts from a few years ago, like the Bruce Willis fan club and Moonlighting Magic that were kind of inactive. So they might have a lot of inactive users. So whether it works so far, Grace, can you tell where the, where our listeners are coming from? I think you can tell if they're clicking on links um, from social media, like where do they populate from most of the time? Do you know? So at this stage, I can't actually tell what they're clicking on to get to the podcast. If the listeners use our link tree, yes, I can look at the analytics there to see what they click on to get there. However, on the podcast host platform, I can tell what device they're using and from what country they are listening to the podcast. The top platform is Apple Podcasts. The second one is Spotify and the third one is Google. And at the moment, the top five countries are USA, Australia, UK, Germany, and France. So that's what the stats are at the moment. Really interesting because it's just, I also do a magazine about Twin Peaks. And I feel, you know, I feel bad posting all the time about it. But honest to goodness, when I post, I sell. It's that simple. And I don't like to do it because I'm busy and I'm working on another book that's coming out. And I also am doing the publishing company and I'm running the magazine. And then there comes a time when I have to stop in what I'm considering (laughs) working and then have to do stupid social media and post a bunch of stuff. And it just makes me angry. I call it Instagram Instapuke. And you have to take that time. But then I've been watching you guys and I'm like, oh, you seem to be doing it right from my vantage point. And I just wondered if how you feel as well. Okay. So first of all, you've got to be like Glenn. You know how Glenn always says in the commentary? Shameless. Yeah. Shameless. Shameless. DVDs flying off the shelves, right? (laughs) 
we hate Twitter. If you hate Instagram, we hate Twitter. We don't seem to get anything back from Twitter. I mean, we'll get like one like and one retweet once in a while, you know. Instagram, people do seem to get excited. There is a lot of chatter, I guess, with fans when I post on Instagram and stuff. But I think it's too early to tell. Like, I mean, we haven't sold much merchandise so far. Of course, it's all new. So whether it you know actually gets people clicking and buying and participating and things like that to some degree, but like, I guess we'll have to wait until the audience grows a little bit to see. I think it's a, at this point, a small, a small uh-huh. percentage. We have over 400 on our Instagram and it hasn't been that long. And no, I mean, I think you guys have done a great job for only being up to uh, the end of season one. That's not very much for the red yeah. room. I mean, it took us forever we've been doing that podcast for 11 years now, but in the beginning it took a long, long time. Now, part Mm -hmm. of our problem was we would do a different TV show every week and that made it more difficult Mm -hmm. than if you're on point. I mean, people wanted us to be something else that we never really wanted to be, but it's just so much work. I don't think people realize, like I know how much work the two of you are doing every week and all the editing and getting it out on time and then doing the next episode. It it is a ton of work that you're doing. Yeah. Sean has done a great job of creating a lot of followers on Instagram. Within the first six weeks, we had already had 2000 listens from all over the world. And we're really trying to create a huge awareness because there has to be millions of Moonlighting fans. Where are you? (laughs) They're out there. And and I'm sure you feel like that with the book too. They're out there. We want to bring them towards the podcast, bring them towards your book and get. Well, and I'll tell you, um, my distributor, we have a worldwide distributor. So this book is available everywhere on the globe. And it really wasn't stocked. Like Barnes and Noble did not stock my book. They said Moonlighting is old and no one cares. And I'm like, that can't be true. There were 60 million people watching it. And So I've had to do it all myself where, you know, and it's hard to get the word out there. The good thing is when someone reads the book, they love it. And that has nothing to do with me. That has to do with Sybil and Curtis and Elise and Glenn and Jay and everyone and Melissa. Never forget Melissa. No, we can't can't Um, forget her name now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. But it's because this is a heck of a story and it shouldn't matter if it was 30 years ago, he's still Bruce Willis and she's still Sybil Shepherd. So getting the word out there, especially when you're small, like I am, like you guys are, you know, and you don't have this money machine behind you putting it out there. It is hard. So if you're a Moonlighting fan, support both these projects because that will let Disney know Mm-hmm. that Moonlighting would be successful to stream because Glenn has said it is basically Disney's reluctance to put the money up for the music. That's why this show is not on Blu-ray. That's why it's not streaming. So we as fans need to let Disney know we don't really care about Iron Man 72. <laughs> uh, yeah. Give us the music for Be My Baby. And I, I am curious because it's worth paying for. Yes, that's... Uh... One of our plans is to help support that and keep fighting for that and keep it relevant. So Disney has more of an incentive to put it on their app and on their channels. And if we can create this huge fandom, hopefully it gets to them somehow. And we're really proud too of already having, we've already had nine five-star reviews from New Zealand, Hungary, the US. Um, well, and that really makes a difference too. So I'll, I'll hawk it for you guys. Um, 
you need to give the Moonlighting Podcast a five-star review. Um, <laughs> it makes a difference in yeah. uh, right now, because what do we care? This thing is already too long. This conversation's an hour and 20 minutes. We don't <laughs> care. So I am right now as we talk, I just typed in Moonlighting Podcast in Google. It came up. You say open in iTunes. And I'm going to give you guys five stars right now as oh, we are <laughs> sitting here talking. Actually, you have 11 five-star reviews. Oh, it's 11 now. I haven't checked it in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So everyone listening, follow what Scott's doing now. So all you do is you go there and then it says <laughs> ratings it, and reviews. And then click to rate. I just gave it a five-star. And that's all. I'm like, that could not have been easier. So now you have 12, but I'm going to write a review while we're on here. Title is I'm reviewing as I'm on their show. (laughs) I think this is a world first that somebody's doing a five-star review while they're actually on the podcast that they're reviewing. (laughs) On a podcast. Yeah. Why not? But this is very moonlighting. We're breaking the fourth wall of the podcast. Scott Ryan, comma. The author of Moonlighting, <laughs> and because I'm shameless, is it, go ahead, Grace, give me a shameless. Shameless. Thank you. An oral history book is on their podcast as he reviews this five-star wonderful podcast. Come on, Disney, pony up the money to stream the show. Grace and Shauna. Okay, I just submitted the review. Look how that was nothing, and everyone at home should have been doing the same thing. A minute. Come on, guys, let's do it all together now. Get on. And it does make a difference because I get probably two emails a week from Moonlighting fans about the book, which is very humbling. And they always start off with, Your book is great. And then they tell me their life story about moonlighting. And I love reading these. They're so fascinating. Someone from some country said that only like 12 episodes of moonlighting or 20 episodes of moonlighting aired in that country. I forgot what country it was. So they didn't even know some of the stuff that was in the book, but, but they're out there. And then I always have to say, I always feel bad, but then I respond and say, thank you. And then I say, if you wouldn't mind, if you could give me a five-star review on Amazon, it really does make a difference. And that's a stupid world we're living in right now, but it all goes with the algorithm. So follow the Moonlighting Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, go to their iTunes, give them five stars or wherever you, wherever it is, give them five stars. And write a short review. That's the world we're living in right now. That's the only way you can help someone who are small potatoes. And we would also like the fans to email us all their moonlighting stories, which they already have been, and we've been reading them out on the podcast. So it's fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we've also set up a profile because we've had a few inquiries from our fans if there's any way they can support us to continue the podcast. So we've set up a, a profile on coffee.com, which is ko-fi.com slash moonlighting the podcast. So when they donate, they're actually buying a door slam. Well, there we go. I like it. Mm, I like it. I like it. It's very moonlighting, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. They can release their virtual stress by slamming a door and (laughs) supporting moonlighting for the cost of a cup of coffee. You know, it's hard 
because I work on things that I care about and I'm passionate about. I'm lucky to get to write about those things. And then, you know, someone will be like, what? That's how much the book is? It's kind of expensive. And it's like, oh my gosh, do you know how hard it is to print something like this and, and to get all this done? Like, there's no money to be had here. And, and like, you're going to Starbucks every morning, like exactly. make coffee at yeah. home one week and support the arts. By the way, Scott, you know how I've, how much I've supported you? Mm-hmm. This cost me 60 bucks to get it here. Well, oh. I actually, I no, I know. <laughs> so it's actually worse now. So Australia has stopped accepting any mail mm. and it's now $90. Australia is killing me. So I wow. it's $90 to ship a book. And my website was set up to be at like charging 30 or whatever. And I had sold two books and then I went and they were, it was $180. And I had, I mean, I could have said, screw you or told the person to, you know, refunded their money, but I just paid it. I just paid it out of my pocket. And I'm, I basically paid two people oh $60 to read my book which I did not tell my wife. That's not the business model we have working out right now. Is no, it, do you no. mind if I pay people $60 to read my book? Will that be an issue? So I am sorry that you had to pay that. No, no, um, no, no. But no, I no. swear to you, I don't make any money off that. Like I honestly lose some money when it goes overseas because the shipping has just been a nightmare but i do ship worldwide right now if you're in australia just buy it from amazon but anywhere else and with my twin peaks magazine australia is my third biggest country that it goes to and that's what my next book is about and i'm worried about this like you can't charge people $90 to ship their book. They're going to be mad at you, but it's not me. Like the post, you know, that's, that's what it costs. Twin Peaks was crazy here. We loved it. Absolutely loved it. Well, my next book is about fire walk with me. I don't know if you ever saw the movie that they did after the series, but it next year's the 30th anniversary of fire walk with me. So I have a book where I've interviewed people, but that I did not do an oral history that actually is set up in, in chapter because I mm. was like, after moonlighting, I could not do another one because it's complex. And I was like, I'm not yeah. doing it that way. There's actually another link. We find a lot of overlaps with the episodes. If you listen to the episode, you know what I mean. But there's, I can't remember who it was, Shauna, that there was somebody in moonlighting or somebody in the in the cast and crew or one of the guest stars was actually married to Mel Harris. Yeah, it was the guy from the brother at SRT Industries, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, was it him? Oh, okay. I can't remember. <laughs> you know, you're really putting me in a bad position because I really want to make the joke and I'm not going to make this joke, but I really want to make the joke that hasn't everyone been married to Mel Harris? Now, please, <laughs> why would he say that? He's friends with Mel Harris. She's not he listening. loves 30 something. Um, he did not. I would never say that. I mean, I'm glad I didn't say that joke. Just letting yeah. you know, Scott, I'm not editing that out. <laughs> Oh, I don't want it to be edited out. You could edit out me saying I don't want it to be edited out (laughs) because I want to make that joke because I really think she's been married many, many times. So it's a good joke. I loved that show. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, that was a great show. I used to watch that as well. Yeah. And Twin Peaks, which I rewatched kind of recently. 
the Red Room, is that named after? Yeah, um, yeah, that's okay. where we got the name from. And that that was a struggle that we had in the beginning because everyone thought it was a Twin Peaks podcast. And we do cover Twin Peaks a lot, yeah. but we cover whatever TV show we're interested at the time. And that was kind of the struggle is getting people to realize, no, we're not going to talk about Twin Peaks every week. We want to talk about The Sopranos or The West Wing or 30-something or whatever uh, yeah. we want to talk about. Um, and so that made it hard. Yeah. She loved the West Wing. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I actually noticed that early on and let Bartlett yeah. be Bartlett, right? This cost me a fortune to get it here too. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm I crazy, say move. crazy West Wing fan. I love Aaron Sorkin. He's my favorite writer. Next to Glenn, of course. Oh, well, of course. You can say, I think even Glenn would probably be okay with Aaron above him. Have you ever watched Studio 60? No. Mm-mm. I think you should give it a try. There's only one season, but I really like it. It's it's written by Aaron Sorkin yeah, as well. Yeah. He did it after okay. West Wing, and and um, I don't know. It, it's not perfect, but I re- I like it. If you like the West Wing, I think you'll like it. It's very similar. Yeah, I'm not sure if we can get it here. I haven't seen it on the streaming services. There's no way it would stream because there's only one season. But oh, maybe you oh. can find it in the bowels of the internet. <laughs> Okay, I don't know. I'll try it might it. be out there somewhere. I think I got it from the library and watched it, but uh, okay. I'm not sure. I will. I'll look for that as well. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 if you're an Aaron Sorkin fan, it's good. Well, thank you for but, talking to us today, Scott. It's been wonderful. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Are you going to have to edit much? I mean, I know we're wrapping up. I should shut yeah. my mouth, no, but um, yeah, I've gotten emails that people are upset that I didn't cover the straight poop in the book. I pretty much skip over it. And that's a lot of people's favorite episode. And that sort of surprised me because to me, it's a clip show. I mean, it's a good show, but it really is just a clip show. I didn't know that there's really not much to cover with that episode, but I've been surprised how many people are are not pleased that I I skipped. I, I mean, I don't think there's been another episode that anyone's really been upset with me for skipping except that one. I find that fascinating. I mean, it's fun, but it really is just a clip show. I mean, it's right. just highlights and continuous laughter. Right. And that's probably what they remember from it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a good one to pop in, like if you haven't watched Moonlighting in a while, but I don't love it when I'm rewatching the series because I just saw all those scenes. I mean, yeah. like, come on. They yeah. were just trying to do, they were just trying to get a damn new episode out. Yeah, and give Sybil and Bruce a break from all the dialogue and all that. Right. It is fun that she talks to them and they they do kind of call out trouble on the set. No new episodes, you know, and things yeah. like that. And yeah, there are some very funny things. And you get a kiss in the end. Right. That's Other, true. Sybil and Bruce, Maddie and David, we don't know. But um, <laughs> right. one thing I do love about Moonlighting, too, is just um, all the crossover is it Sybil and Bruce? Is it Maddie and David? You know, even right. um, when they do the commentary, they're always saying, oh, and Bruce did that or Sybil did that. And Maddie, you know, Maddie, David, Sybil, Bruce, the names are always being confused, which is why I think, you know, your book again is like so important because I think it all does meld together. You know, what was going on behind the scenes reflected and influenced what happened on screen. You know, in my opinion, one thing that makes Moonlighting so exciting and the reason it sticks with fans, you know, 30 plus years later is because of that relationship that was so complicated between Sybil and Bruce, but they were attracted to each other. And you can even see it in interviews that they did together, you know, 
they did have a real love-hate relationship. And then that was on the screen as well. Because of the lack of social media, we got more authentic Sybil and Bruce in interviews. You know, like reality and fiction bled into each other, just as Glenn kind of wrote it that way. That's really what was happening behind the scenes as well. And I can tell you, I'm with 100% truth, Sybil loves Bruce Willis. She never said a bad thing about Bruce. She wasn't even like hiding. It wasn't even like one of those things where I'm just not going to mention that I hate Shauna's sweater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't like that at all. Because you um, don't hate Shauna's no. sweater, do you? No, I mean, I don't it. know what it says and I've been trying to read it for an hour and a half now. So what does this it is say? From, um, this is from the fakes market, by the way, and here in China, like, uh, Grace pays an arm and a leg for everything. I get everything dirt cheap here in China. And um, it says Balenciaga. <laughs> it's like a brand name, but I, I paid like $5 for it. <laughs> okay. So like, we almost thought you were cool. And now we know you're not. Yeah, no, no. It's so like, cool. no, fake cool. <laughs> but she really, she doesn't dislike Bruce and has yeah. no hard feelings for him at all. You know, I think yeah. that's what other people put on that. They've long moved on from it. Even then, I think it was just a complicated relationship. I do think it was like love-hate. Right. Like uh, Grace and I were saying earlier, can you imagine working side by side as close as they did 19 hours a day or something like that? I'd get sick of just about anybody, even if it was my favorite person. I don't want to be with them that, you know, that close day after day under those kind of pressures, the lighting, you know, the light, the long hours, you know, the tiredness and all of that stuff. Yeah. Anyone would start like bugging the hell out of you. Not (laughs) me, but anyone else. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, if the three of us talk for 19 hours, it'd be fine. But yeah, yeah, we'd be fine. But other people, sure. But then there was a lot of love there too. And you can see that too. You can. Definitely. So I'm glad we're bringing moonlighting into the 21st century. Yes. Um, Igniting the flame, creating some awareness. And I hope all these millions of people find out about your book. Look at that. And our podcast. Thank you guys for having me on. if anybody's interested in the book, they can go to FayettevilleMafiaPress.com or ScottRyanProductions.com. The Kindle is out there. Um, I'm not saying you can't get the Kindle. That's fine, too. But <laughs> I think the book is just, I like a book. So I'm like old school. You're welcome back anytime. If you want to come and comment with us on any episodes or come on for another discussion. I would definitely do Cool Hand Dave Part 2. Womb with okay. a View. I mean, I love Big Man, but you probably don't need me for a Big Man. But whatever. I mean, I love Moonlighting. Um, I'm trying to think if there's one I hate. It would be interesting <laughs> to do one that I don't like. Yeah. What's our least favorite? That's uh, very interesting. I mean, it would have to be season five episodes, but I feel like that's almost cheating. Uh, I know. What would be your um, one of our least favorite in maybe the first four seasons? Know. Oh my gosh, how have I not thought? Oh, the pilot is my least favorite, without a doubt. I actually hate the pilot. I thought you said that was uh, one of your favorites. No, I would never have said the pilot. I might have lied and said it was good (laughs) if someone else said it, but I hate it. Hang on, did you tell Glenn that? I might have been in a roundabout way of saying that I don't think the pacing is as good. And I think I asked them, it feels to me like it was supposed to be 60 minutes and they made it two hours, like... I can't stand watching the guy from Greece just walk <laughs> around forever. Like I fast forward. I mean, without a doubt, the pilot's my least favorite episode. That was an easy one. Oh, Camille, 
Camille's oh, yeah. Mm. I was going to say that too, Camille. I must admit I skipped past that one. Yeah. yeah those are probably okay. my two least favorite in because I'm looking at the episodes. Yeah, Camille is not, it's just too different. It's not enough Maddie and David, of course. It doesn't make well, sense. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it yeah. doesn't really work. No. Um, I don't really like Los Dos de Pestos. I forgot about that one. I'm not, it's my least favorite de Pesto episode. Um, I think I agree with that one as well. I didn't even watch all of the de Pesto episodes until recently. Um, I had skipped past even some of them back in the day. Or if I turned it on, I was like, a Depesto episode, turn right. it off. You know? I would just get so annoyed like that, that there wasn't another new episode. The Still. worst one in season five is I See England, I See France. That's so funny because Bruce always talks about how funny that one is. He's mentioned that one like two or three times in the commentary. Yeah, he does. I don't know. I haven't seen it in a yeah. while, but I remember not loving that one. But it's been a while since I've seen season five. Yeah, he reckons that there's certain scenes in there he thinks are absolutely hilarious when they're trying to put him in the freezer or something like that. Yeah. 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 When they were in the shower and, and things like that. But, <laughs> which is a cute scene between them. But Oh, and you can tell they go out of character too when they're trying to get out of the Oh, I do. They're laughing. <laughs> In that episode, where's the picture that you guys are studying? I just pulled it up. Do you know where he shows her the picture? Okay, so it's when they first get on the train and they meet J.B. Harland and J.B. Harland shows it to David. Okay, well, I see it. He, oh, that's, this is not, that, that's just a staged photo. Do you think it's a staged photo or do you think they had a celebration for something behind the scenes and took a photo and then used it for an episode? Because who are those people in it? Who's in the background? They're not even workers. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. So the guy holding the cup, I'm pretty sure that's the editor. Boy, it really looks like, um, I mean, the what an idiot that I did not open Artie my book for this. Why? Mandel- yeah, Artie Mandelberg. That really looks like Artie Mandelberg holding the thing. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to screen capture this. I'm going to send this picture to Jay and I'll find out for you. Yay. And you know what? It looks like Deborah Frank in the background. Is that her in the background? Because she was short too, like me, (laughs) on the right-hand side. I mean, it just seems weird that if they would have done it, that it wouldn't have put Glenn and Jane. Yeah. Some recognizable. Not too shabby. Honestly, I don't think that looks like Artie Mandelberg. Now he's got a mo. Who's the, um, the woman right behind... Looks like someone's publicist. Oh, that's not Deborah Frank. No? No. The little one? No? The little one isn't Deborah Frank. No? Well, look at that. I just, now I stopped it and it's either Agnes or Sybil's finger. Yeah. It's it's horrible. That's a horrible figure. I hope that's not Sybil's finger. Supposed to be Agnes's, but yeah, does she have that French tip? Probably not. They always have these inserts. Where it was like someone else's. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, this is definitely an insert. That's a staged photo. They just set that up and took a picture. That, that's not a behind the scenes real photo. Nah. Okay. I'll that try to find out who the people are, if they're people, Jay or not. Yeah. See if Jay remembers. Because that was our third theory, Grace, that they just said, we need a photo, put on some wardrobe and gather. Right. Yeah. I'm 98% sure that's what it is. But okay. I'll try to get the answer for you if I can. Oh, my my number one theory is that it was Sybil's birthday. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. 
they had a cake on set with champagne and they took a photo and they were like, oh, we've got this photo from this. That's this what she's couch. sticking to. Right. <laughs> and that's my so, fantasy. Okay. And I think it's a good fantasy, but unlikely. <laughs> unlikely. Oh, don't unlikely. spoil it. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, like I lied about Glenn getting me Jay, I will lie. Actually, it was a surprise party that they put on for Sybil. <laughs> And everyone said, well, also, let's put on our costumes that we wear on the show. Let's not wear our regular clothes to the party. Let's wear our costumes. Yeah, let's, because I like to dress like my character. We've been having so much fun the last two weeks trying to solve this mystery. No, I understand. And I just want to, I'll try, I'll do what I can. Jay isn't the greatest, not the quickest responder so it might take me a little bit but i'll see if i can find out for you oh that'd be lovely and ask him if we would be willing to come on our show too (laughs) he i'll see what i can do but he isn't tech savvy so much so i don't know if he zooms he's pretty much like he's got a landline um (laughs) so i don't know we'd like to have anyone on you know i mean even um we're talking to one of the prop guys because honestly, it's like those people, what was it like when you got a script at the last minute and you had to find props and you had to find sets and you had to find, right. you know, it's crazy. I would, yeah, I just want to talk to anyone who worked on the set and just, you know, give us a day in the life kind of thing. We have solved the mystery. <laughs> so, well, thank you guys. It was so much fun. Uh, if yeah, you need anything, let me know. And I'm here to help. Yeah, thank you. Yes. And thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Oh, anytime. It was so much fun. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to Moonlighting the Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.